Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you're my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Good morning to you. Uh, for those of you who still don't know me, my name is Bill, Pastor Bill Hartley, and I'm uh, here at Shepherd of the Desert on an interim basis. And I thought I'd start this morning by just pointing out some obvious facts about myself. I am a Hartley. It's H-A-R-T-L-E-Y. Gene and Nancy, born into the family. I didn't really choose them. I just showed up. And I've got uh, the Hartley DNA. Uh, I've got, uh, I, I grew up in the Hartley culture in my family. Uh, it all came by birth. Again, I didn't have much of a say in it. And to this day, my wife will still look at me and say, well, that was a real Hartley thing that you just did right there. It's just kind of part of who I am. Uh, I can't not be a Hartley. In fact, I remember one time, uh, it was Christmas many, many years ago, and I was trying to share the gospel of Jesus with my older brother. And he got really mad at me because I was trying to, he, he thought I was just some religious zealot. It was during the Jesus movement days back in the 70s in SoCal. And he just... He just looked at me at one time and said, you are no longer my brother. And he walked out of the room only to find out when he walked back in, I was still his brother. He couldn't just <laughs> shake me like that. It was... But we all have that feeling every now and then, right? That we're in a family. Wouldn't it be nice to have the benefits of being in family without the hassles of the dysfunction of your family? You ever feel like that? Looking forward to going home for Christmas? Ah, <laughs> mostly, but wouldn't it be nice if we could just dispense with the trouble and just go with what, what's fun? But the Apostle Paul even says in 1 Timothy chapter 5 that if you, if you don't care for your family like you ought to, even in times of trouble and sorrow, you're worse than an unbeliever. That's what Paul said. Because family matters, and it, and it chose you. You didn't choose it. I'm also a citizen of the United States of America. I didn't choose that either. I was born here. My parents were citizens of the United States of America. And as a result, I've grown up with kind of that uh, USA DNA, and it's part of my culture. It's part of my living. Uh, they, they let me vote. I'm registered here. I'm, my birth was actually registered with my country, and it's on file. They gave me a name. It's a... Uh, it's, uh, what is it, nine digits long? That's, my, that's the name they know me by, and it's only mine, and they uh, track me with that name. I can't, unless I go through some formal uh, expatriation of myself, actually deny my citizenship and go somewhere else, I can't shake my Americanness from me. Wouldn't it be nice if we just had all the benefits of being Americans, but didn't have to deal with the hassles? I tried that one year. I thought, I like driving on the roads, and I like getting Social Security, and it's time. But I, I'm just, I'm really not into taxes this year. So I, I think I'll just not pay taxes. I'm kidding. I didn't really do that. But if I did do that, the IRS would call up and go, uh, no, because you are a citizen. You can't just dispense with that. And this week, it was interesting, we were at staff meeting, and Andrew, our administrator here, uh, he came in and he had his I voted sticker on his, on his you, you voted this week? Y'all vote? And some of you are going, of course I voted. For a couple of reasons. One, it's a privilege to vote, right? We live in a democracy. We, our vote counts. We get to make decisions. And we have a pretty well-oiled democracy in the grand scheme of things. So we get to vote. But there's also that little edge 
And Andrew shared that little edge. I'm wearing the sticker to remind you that, you know, you ought to vote. It's not only just a privilege, it's a responsibility, right? If you're going to be a good citizen, you need to enter into that. Well, wouldn't it be great if all we had to do was just enjoy the privileges of things? But actually, in our time, one of the struggles that we have, especially with the issue of immigration, is that we, we struggle with people who would want to come and have all the benefits of being a citizen without leaning into the responsibilities of being a citizen. You need to be a citizen. You need to pay taxes. We're in this together. The country moves and operates by everybody acting responsibly. I am a citizen of heaven, says the scripture today. I didn't choose it. It chose me. Now, I don't want to go down that theological uh, rabbit trail right now. But the truth is, is without the, the, the prevenient grace of God coming into my life, I was not going to be able to figure God out. God elects and chooses me to be his child. He adopts me into his family. My DNA is God's. It says in Second Peter chapter 1 that I'm a partaker of the divine nature. So I, we talked about this last week, right? I'm yours because, God, you have claimed me for your own. So I grew up in that family and I grew up in that culture. But there are times when I look at life in the citizenship of the church and say, wouldn't it be nice to just have the benefits of church without having to deal with the hassles of the people of God? Because I like eternal life. That's good. Answered prayer is good. Daily bread, that's good. Uh, Someone to greet me when I'm in the hospital or if I'm really in trouble, they can come alongside of me. I like all that. But all this other stuff like self-sacrificial love and uh, giving to the church my first fruits and uh, helping to serve when they need it. Uh, you know, uh, increasingly in our days, it's, it's interesting. I looked up some polls that have been taken recently by the Barna Group, which is like a Christian Gallup organization. And the Barna Group did a poll just last year. Half of our world, by the way, is unchurched. Half of our, not our world, half of our nation. Sometimes it feels like only about one in a hundred are going to church nowadays. But the reality is, is still... Over half of our people in our country self-identify as Christians. But 10% of people in our country have adopted this attitude. Jesus, yes, his people, no. I like God. I still believe the truths of the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed, like we just said. I still believe the Bible is true, and I still believe in God. I still even believe some of those basic doctrines, like Jesus incarnate is going to come again and redeem all things. But the church I've given up on, I'm not a part of that church anymore. Because the people of God are inconsistent. Uh, I don't trust their leaders. Uh, church is full of hypocrites. You've heard all of the different reasons. I'm preaching to the choir. Here, you're here. So you, why are you talking to us? We showed up this morning. Good for you. But even you probably drove to church going, I hope I don't bump into that guy. I hope the interim guy isn't preaching today. I like Alan better. I hope the songs are good. Not going to bring any drums or guitars in here, are we? We have the tendency to have our uh, when it comes to life in the kingdom of God to the point where some people said, I give up. I'm not a part of it anymore. But listen to the scripture again that God gives us in Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm going to back up a verse to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. God says, remember that at that time before you became a Christian... You were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, 
Christ Jesus. Now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Down to verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Hear this. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. What's the temple? It's the place where God is. The church rises to become the manifestation of God to the world around us. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. That's citizenship. That's family. So I'm a Hartley, which means I grew up in that household, and I can't shake that. I'm a citizen of the United States, and I grew up in that country, and I can't shake that. In church, which is a household as well as a citizenship, we are a part of it. We can't shake that. In fact, in uh, uh, second, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, 5, says this, You, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. So today's sermon title is, I'm in. And I just want to let you know, you're in. Well, I'm in if I want to be, right? No. You're in because God made you in. God redeemed you and saved you, and you are are a part of the body. You are being built as living stones into a spiritual house. You are the citizenship of this nation, Christian nation, this church. Now, it would be real uh, bad of me. Well, if, if I was a dysfunctional father in my house, I'd point at my kids and go, you're in my family, and I'm the dad, and you'll do what I say because I said so. Okay, that's a dysfunctional dad. If any of you are going, that sounds normal to me, we should talk after church, okay, because that's not very good. If I was a dysfunctional leader of a nation, I would say, you're following our command, we're building a wall to keep you in, if you say anything against me, I'm going to throw you in prison, and you will be a faithful member of this country. That is a dysfunctional dictator. A dysfunctional pastor will come in front of you during a season of asking you to consider stewardship and say... You're a member of the body of Christ. Now pony up, give more, and participate as a servant more. And if you don't, I'm going to threaten you with the very fires of hell. That's bad. But that's also why cults seem to have a lot of money. Because that's a way that they can function. Give or your soul's in danger. Okay, I'll give. In fact, the Roman Catholic Church during the days of Luther's Reformation used some of that motivation. We don't do that here. We're grace. We're, we're good Lutherans, right? Grace, if, if being a part of the citizenship of heaven, being a part of the body of Christ, being in, if you don't feel it like an incredible grace, then something's wrong. So I want to throw three things at you really quick as to why it's an incredible grace to be a citizen. And the first one is this. We are, the church is, the delivery system for God's truth, God's love, people being aware of who God is. We're the delivery system in the world today. 
We heard it in Isaiah where the prophet said about the Messiah coming, it's not enough for you to be a servant. I want you to be a light even to the Gentiles. And then Jesus comes along to this motley group of disciples and says, you are the light of the world. I'm going to set you up on a hilltop so that the world can see you. And go into all the world. We heard the Great Commission as our New Testament reading, as our gospel reading today. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations. I'm entrusting this gospel to you. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Those of you who have been claimed by Christ and are so thankful that I'm yours, like we talked about last week, if you're so thankful for what God has done for you, it is a thrill for you to say, I, I get to be a part of the enterprise of taking this thrilling gospel of reconciliation to God out into the rest of the world. I get to be on Team Jesus. It is a thrill. But it's also a responsibility. It's both, right? Just like all things. There are great privileges in being a part of Team Jesus, but there's also great responsibility. We need to walk in it. It, it always saddens me when, when we're preaching on Sunday to people who have been gripped by God already, and we have to remind them that, oh, oh yeah, I need to walk in that responsibility. That's what Jesus said at the Great Commission. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but also teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded during my life. It's part of discipleship in Christ, but it's an incredible joy that God has entrusted it all to us. I would have picked something else. I don't think we're all that. <laughs> I think we stumble with our, with our gospel proclamation, but we get to be right in the middle of what God is doing. That is fantastic. The second thing I want you to really believe, we can't do that without you. You go, I'm just me. I'm retired. I don't have very many gifts. I just want to sit in the back row. I, I love joyful, joyful, we adore thee. I want to get my communion and I want to go home. But I'm really not, like, like my father, uh, God rest his soul, he used to say this to me, and I never understood it. He goes, Bill, you've got to understand, I don't consider myself a professing Christian. Like, it's not my job to proclaim truth to people I know. Yeah, that's one of the privileges and responsibilities of being a citizen of heaven. Of course we all proclaim. Of course we all invest. But more than that, don't, don't you remember, do you remember the sermon a few weeks ago with the sand wedge? I've had a lot of sand wedge comments. No formal golf invitations, but some sand wedge comments. <laughs> Reminder, ask Bill to golf. Good, write that down, that's good. God made you for shots only you can hit. God placed you at Shepherd of the Desert in ways that only you can do what you can do. And deep down inside, I think you know you've got something. You know your best stuff. We must have your best stuff. But here's the grace in it. It's not, okay, I'll sign up. He's trying to get me to sign up. No, no, I just want, I want to affirm something to you. When God saved you, the Bible says in, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14, go ahead and read those chapters tonight, God pumped you full of gifts, not talents and abilities. We all have those as we grow up as human beings, but spiritual gifts, things that God, by his spirit, empowers you to be able to do for the sake of, it says in 1 Corinthians 12, the mutual edification of the body of Christ. You've got stuff for me. I don't want to miss it. 
And people around have stuff for you. And you don't want to miss that either. But when we just sit back and take upon ourselves a spectator understanding of being the church and don't fully walk in all of the responsibilities of being a citizen, we all lose. But when you step in, we all gain. And again, some of you are going, I just don't believe I've got anything. And I just want to tell you, by the grace of God, this is a thrilling thing. You're wrong. You've got God in you, says the scripture, the Holy Spirit, who is God. As we said in the creed, he is the Lord and he resides in you to empower you for the sake of the body of Christ. So not only are we the delivery system of God, but we can't do this without you. I just want to add one more thing. You can't do life the way it's supposed to be lived without us. Some of you are going, try me. (laughs) This place isn't that great. It hasn't done that much for me. Well, I'm new here, so I don't know to what, uh, to what extent the body of Christ has functioned in its fullness within the walls here at Shepherd of the Desert. But I do know this. Uh, Mike Gibson, the president of the Pacific Southwest District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, he said this last week, and I'll probably misquote him, but it's, it's basically this. There is nothing like the local church when the local church is being the local church like the local church is supposed to be. There's nothing like it. And some of you have tasted it, haven't you? Great life in church where there's wind in our sails from the Holy Spirit and we're on mission together. People are coming to Christ. There's love being exchanged. You walk in, there's enthusiasm, literally enthusiasm. God in all of us. And and we feel that joy and we feel that love and we feel that presence and the church is growing and people's lives are blessed. There is nothing like that on the face of the earth. And there's no reason in the world why it can't or shouldn't be happening in Shepherd of the Desert. The one thing that stands in the way is if the embers of this hot fire decide to separate themselves from the rest of the embers and then the whole fire goes out. But when we are together and the Holy Spirit is blowing on us and we're heating up into the fire of what it is to be a church, there is nothing like it. That is a gift from God for you. If you say, no, I'm just going to do faith alone. Like the 10% of people in our world who say, I don't need the church. I've just got Jesus alone. And the Bible says if you do that, you're like a human body part that is detached You will just lay on the ground and die. You're like a branch on a tree that has been plucked off of the tree. You too will lay on the ground and die. If you are a member of the body of Christ and you say, I have no need for the rest of the body, we die a bit because we lose you and you die completely because you're dismembered. That's a bad word, isn't it? Dismemberment. Membership is a better word than that. So I just want to conclude right there before we come to the table. We're going to be coming to the table today, and as we do, I'm reminded of Jesus saying to his disciples, are you ready to drink of the cup that I'm about to drink of? Because the cup Jesus drank of was a cup of self-sacrifice for the salvation of the world. Are you ready to drink of that cup? But that cup is also the promise for the joy set before him. He endured the cross and scorned its shame because he knew what he had in his relationship with his father so he knew that the service was glorious. It's the privilege of being a citizen and the responsibility. Are you in? Are you in?
Yes, you are. I can boldly say that on authority of the scripture. Are you living in the fullness of being in? That's what we would encourage you to consider because there is nothing like it. Heavenly Father, I do pray for my brothers and sisters here in this room. First of all, we want to say thank you, God, for for choosing us to be your children and actually giving us new birth by the Holy Spirit. It's amazing, God, that we get to be in your family. Lord, you have called us to walk in that family like we're supposed to, just like being a good member of an earthly family, like being a good citizen. And Lord, we ask that you forgive us where we've stumbled. Would you, God, be powerful enough amongst us to let us taste of that reality that we pray about every week, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, that the church would be a heavenly place of the truths and presence and actions of God's people. We want it so much for for this church, especially during these interim days where the future looks a little foggy, but it's not foggy to you because you know exactly what and who your church can be. Bless us, God, with the capacity to be that church because we are in. Help us to live like it. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.